Maria Daniels here with Successfully Chaotic, and I have Tim here today. Tim, go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, so I, it's funny. You want the 30-second version or the long version. Everybody you know always says, I, I'm, I'm, I'm open. I'm an open book here. <laughs> this, there's no rules on my podcast. Yeah, that's what I love, especially the name of it. It's so awesome. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so my name's Tim Kroll. Uh, I go and I have a title. I use the business growth strategist because it allows me to dive into a lot of different areas. I really resonate with people on a 10,000 foot level. And then we put strategies in place that you can implement on the ground, ground floor level. So I use this. I love to meet people where they're at and then move them to where they want to be. And that's what I really focus on is how can we help leave an impact and help you grow in those areas that you definitely need growth in. I love that. So that's, that's my 32nd one. It's my elevator pitch. We're riding up the elevator together. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. I always hated, um, in like some of the networking groups I've been in, in the past, I, I guess I'm a rebel at heart because they, <laughs> they'd be like 30 second commercial. And I'm like, I don't want to talk for 30 seconds. I actually yeah. could talk forever or I could talk none at all. But the fact that I have to like condense it yeah, into you 30 follow seconds. The rules. Oh, I don't like that. So yeah, it, it was funny. We're in the green room. We were talking and I knew I resonated with you. We were just talking it, that one right there. Talking about being a rebel. Yeah. Like, it's all me. I yeah. Don't give me rules. Yeah. I don't want that. I was going to do it until you just told me that I had to, yeah, exactly. but now I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the, the chaotic part of our, our personalities. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's so interesting because I found growing up, I had a really chaotic childhood and I am very comfortable in the chaos, but I also found that in that chaos, it drains me more quickly than anything else. So I have to balance between being comfortable in that chaos and being attracted to it and then attracting that into my own life. And then yet also making sure that I have enough time to recoup and re you know, energize and make sure that I can go back out there and fight the fight again. Absolutely. I feel like we're twinning it because <laughs> I, I'm the same way. I'm always like, I hate drama and I hate chaos, but I'm like a lightning rod. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I do. And <laughs> I like, I like it, but I hate it. So it's like, what is going on? I want to know what's going on. I want to kind of like dig my way into it. But then again, like you just said, once I'm into it, I'm like, ah, this is too much. So I've got to like kind of backtrack and recoup. I'm, t- I'm yeah, telling you. I have you, to I take it in 20. doses, I find. Yeah. And as I take it in doses, it gives me the ability um, and I think this really kind of leads into some of the stuff I think we're going to talk about. But the fact is, I was always a fixer. I was good at fixing. I was able to Absolutely. chameleon and read people and know where they were at and understand the chaos that was in their lives and then enter into that chaos and then help them with a path out of that chaos and find a way to get out of that so that they have a stronger, more stable life. Because as humans, that's what we're seeking. We're seeking stability. You know, whether we talk about Maslow's hierarchy or all these other kinds of things, we really, really need stability in our lives in business, personal, family, wherever it goes, we have to have that stability. Absolutely. And I know, you know, what you said really resonated because yes, I very much want, you know, peacefulness and I want calm and yeah. I, to a certain level, you know, um, but also at the same time, I've always been the fixer too. And I think the fact that, you know, I've led such a chaotic life, like I had a chaotic childhood as well. And 
Um, I've had my own brand of chaos, you know, throughout my adult life and, you know, but it's given me the ability, much like you said, to be able to see things that other people don't because they haven't been through so many, you know, valleys, (laughs) you know, I always say that, you know, I've tripped and fallen, but not only did I trip and fall, I tripped, fell, fell on a cliff, burst into flames and I like drag myself out back on the other side, (laughs) but it's given me the ability that I'm really good at pivoting. Like people are like, Oh, how's 2020 affected you? It hasn't. This has been my whole life. My whole life has been pivot, you know, stop, figure out what to do, pivot. I mean, that's been my life. So I think that, you know, even though it sounds like a negative, oh my gosh, you have led such a chaotic life. I think resourcefulness comes from that. And resourcefulness is one of those things that if you have it, you can literally adapt in any situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the word I use and you just used it was adapt Mm -hmm. because I look at so many situations and uh, Jim Rohn kind of talks about this and the fact that you have to work harder on yourself. You have to learn how to set your sail because we don't know what the environment's going to throw at us. We don't know what the weather's going to be. We don't know how rough the sea is going to be. We don't know what's going to happen on the exterior or the pieces that we can't control. The only thing that we can control is what we're working on internally and on our own to be able to learn how to set our sail to take advantage of what's going on on the outside world. And that's adaptability. hundred percent. It's adaptability. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of people fear the unknown, Mm. you know, they fear what's going to happen. And, you know, if you've already been through a whole lot of crap and you've survived it, (laughs) I think that gives you the ability to know, okay, well, I survived this. This is way worse than this situation is by far. So it gives you the ability to not be as afraid to kind of put yourself out there and try because, you know, I know a lot of people that I work with, one of their biggest things ends up being fear. They're afraid to put themselves out there, afraid to try. And I have no problem with trying. I fall on my face a whole (laughs) lot, you know, but I have no problem throwing it out there and be like, well, that didn't work, you know, type of thing, because it's just who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I love this topic of fear uh, and mastering fear and looking at it, um, is that right if I tell a quick story? Yeah, go for okay. it. So, the, I mean, it was a bright, sunshiny day. I live up in Michigan, and in Michigan, we've got freaking long winters. They're like four months long. And so by the time we get out of winter, we're all like rare and ready to go. Getting I'm out. in Ohio, so I've got to feel yeah, like go. <laughs> I guess we can still be friends, right? We can still- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. So, but it, you know, we were getting out of these long winters. I live way up North. We're getting out of these long winters and we're all anxious to get out, enjoy the outside, enjoy the sun. And so we found ourselves, it was just after one of these long seasons, we found ourselves on the bank of the Sturgeon river. What I didn't realize was that within the next hour, I was going to be fighting for my life. And the thing that I noticed, and I realized this, and I, I was able to actually, after everything was done, I was able to look back on this and I was able to say, My number one challenge was I had to learn how to master fear throughout the entire procedure. So when I'm standing on the banks, I'm looking down at the, at the river and the river's really high and the river's running really fast. And I'm in the back of my head, I'm thinking, okay, how can I talk myself out of this? How can I get my way? How can I use an excuse or say, well, we really shouldn't go because of there was all kinds of excuses at the very beginning of it. And then as we're moving forward and through it, all of a sudden I found myself in a life threatening situation And I had to, again, adapt and I had to learn and I had to uh, trust the community. And there's all kinds of lessons in that. But the point was I was trapped underneath of a log fighting for my life. Mm. 
and we should probably do another stuff and leave a little cliffhanger to keep <laughs> curiosity and make people listen at the end so they know how I get out of it, right? Well, we know you survived because you're here today. Here. But... <laughs> so there, <laughs> the there's going to be how? that. But that's true. This is true. This is true. Yeah, so we're going to leave that cliffhanger <laughs> there on how I got out of it until the end. That way, everybody has to listen all the way through. <laughs> there you go. So, or you'll never know. You'll never accept that you'll he lived. <laughs> yeah. So it, 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 the other thing, too, and I always like to do this is let's define exactly what fear is. Because yeah. I think especially as business owners, as people, the fear is actually, it's an unpleasant emotion that we have. It's caused by a belief that someone or something is dangerous. It's something that's going to cause a threat or it's going to cause some kind of a pain. Yeah. We can understand that that is what fear is. And so obviously standing on the banks of the river, looking at it, that was what was stopping me is I had an unknown. I, ha- I was anxious about what was going to happen. I wasn't sure. My son was with me. He's 17. Is this going to be safe? Is it not going to be safe? Do we want to engage in this adventure? Because there is a threat. There is something that could possibly go wrong. On the other hand, we have courage. So that's the opposite of this. And that's the ability to do something that frightens you or do something that frightens an individual. It's strength in the, pain, in, in the face of pain. It's strength in the face of grief. And to operate and continue to move through that. So we're looking at these two opposite things. And the way that I really like to classify these two, two components is I make a decision as a business owner, as a leader, to either live and act and do, or I'm going to live in a state of inaction. Absolutely. And I'm going to be paralyzed by that fear. And I made a commitment, and this was a while ago, but I made a commitment that I will not live my life in a state of fear. I will not live my life in a state of inaction. I will do even though I'm scared. I love that. That has been a life principle. It's a core value of mine. I will do things even though I'm a little bit scared. Yeah, I use that phrase all the time. Do it afraid. I tell it to my kids, which I don't, I might, I may end up in therapy with them one day because of this, (laughs) (laughs) but I do. I say it all the time. They'll say, but I'm scared. I'm like, do it afraid. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm right here. You know, obviously I'm not throwing them out there to something that I feel is dangerous or I wouldn't let them do it. But, you know, sometimes it's something so simple as I asked you to take the garbage out earlier. This was actually yesterday. I asked you to take the garbage out today. It's dark now. The garbage <laughs> still needs to go out. But I'm afraid of the dark. Well, do it scared because you yeah. are asked to do it earlier. You yep. know, and I said, the porch light's on. I'm standing right here on the porch. Nothing's going to happen, but you're going to do it. And, you know, there's several lessons, obviously, that could be pulled from that. But, you know, that is something that... I feel is important because there's a million things that can stop us from living our best life. And it can be made up imaginary. A lot of times it is made up imaginary dangers, or it could be real potential dangers. Or in my case, there's lots of things that I avoided because of things that I have experienced in my past that just, I didn't want it to trigger that feeling of fear, but it wasn't until I did it afraid. And I noticed, okay, well, that same thing didn't happen. You know, I didn't have that experience again. I was able to take back that feeling that I actually was able to grow as a person a little more and to be able to, you know, develop these abilities to be able to not really be scared to do anything. Well, and it all comes down to that one key element. And this is truly about how you master fear, whether it's in your life or like you said, within your kids' lives, the decision that you have to make is to choose to act to choose to do. That one decision 
has far-reaching impact, more so than just in your own personal life, but that impacts your kids, like you just said. It also impacts your business. It impacts partners or even your manufacturers or people that are supplying you, your customers. It impacts almost every area because, again, you're choosing to act rather than stay and live in a state of inaction. Yeah. And like you said, there's so many things, uh, loss of stability, loss of income, loss of jobs, loss, you might die. All of these things that, that could be there. That's, I mean, shoot, right now we're hearing about the new normal and yeah. all of these quote unquote things that we're supposed to be afraid of. And we're not ever going to go back to, I mean, like those are all kind of fear type things that we're living with right now. But to be honest, every year there's something else. There's, it doesn't matter every year. There's something that you can choose that you would be afraid of. If Absolutely. you choose to live in the state of inaction. Absolutely. And I mean, there's, there's a big difference. Cause I've had people say to me, well, I mean, you want to be cautious and you know, you want to do this and you want to do that. And I jokingly call myself a hesitant jumper now, because again, <laughs> my problem has never been not doing, it's been, let's just try it. Let's see what happens. <laughs> let's let's just do it. Down. Yeah. So, yeah. and I've, that's the reason I've crashed and burned so many times on stuff. So there, there but I feel there's an even medium on, you know, making a plan, make sure it's a vetted plan and then go ahead and take the action. Even if you're scared, cause you're still going to be afraid, you know, if you're mm-hmm. sitting and thinking about what could potentially happen. But I always say at this point in time, I don't risk what I can't afford to lose. Right. So, you know, I, I can afford to lose some money. I can't afford to lose all my money. So I don't put all my money into something that's yep. new. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. Yeah. So I love to quantify that. And what I did is I actually created four steps that I used to be able to work through the fear. Okay. And I, let me give all four of them to you. And then we can kind of dive into some of these and discuss them. Cause I think this will be really helpful for the audience Absolutely. because you're going to have people that are very, very risk adverse. And you have people that just love and embrace the risk. You've got both sides of this. And I, I get that. I mean, everybody's going to have a different risk tolerance and that's a whole nother conversation for another mm-hmm. day. But these four things I've found have really been able to help whether you're risk tolerant or risk adverse. It doesn't, it's, it really doesn't matter. So number one is to identify the thing that makes you afraid. Number two is to create a plan. Number three is implement that plan. And that's where it all comes down to action. And then number four is adapt to the changing environment because we all know things are never going to stay the same. They always, always change. They always, you always have to adapt. So those are the four areas. Um, and I, again, we can dive into these things. I think they're really, really cool, but I, it has to start with the identification of what is it that is creating the fear. And I love the illustration that you just used with your kids. What was the thing that was afraid? They were afraid of the dark. So you identified it. It's not a matter of just saying, okay, we're going to ignore all of the challenges that are going, we're going to ignore COVID. We're going to ignore virus. We're going to, no, 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 no. These are real things. These are real challenges that people are dealing with. So how do we identify that one component? And I can relate this to my story as far as the Sturgeon River. And I, cause that was what I had to do. I realized, man, I'm getting a little anxious. So what do I have to, well, the water's really, really high. It's moving a yeah. lot faster than I've ever seen it. And I'm looking at this thinking, Oh my goodness, I, I'm not sure if I really want to step into this. And there's, now, I'll, I'll, I could go on for probably at least 15 minutes. And, about I'd, this. and I'd say, I, I keep thinking about every time you've mentioned this story as a mom, I'm sitting there thinking your kid was with you, your kid was with you. Cause that for me would take it up to the next level. Because for me, Maria risking myself, I'm a little bit more risky with myself <laughs> than I am with my kids staying in there. So that had to take that fear kind of up a notch. Oh, it did. It did. Absolutely. But the thing that I've noticed about fear too, is that the more that I give credit to it, the bigger it gets. Hmm. And I don't know, I mean, 
I personally, I've been afraid, a little bit nervous about heights. And so if I'm standing on top, I, I remember we were walking down Red Rock Canyon. Uh, it was Icebox Canyon, actually. It was in the Red Rocks in, uh, outside of Las Vegas. And we went down all the way to the end of Icebox Canyon. I climbed up because there was a waterfall that was up there. I really, really wanted to see that. Going up was no sweat. Coming back down, there was a, a really steep incline. Coming back down, I just looked down. And I was like, man, this was only 10 feet going up. Now I'm looking down. It looks like a thousand feet going down there. And the longer that I stood there, the long, the, the higher I felt like I was. Yeah. It's the same case with all of our fears. So whether it's a business, the stability, the loss of income, the longer that we stare at that, the longer we are afraid of it, the bigger that it gets. So it's going to occupy as much space as you can give it or as much space as you're willing to give it. And so the first step and the first thing as far as identifying and recognizing it is quantifying exactly what it is that you're afraid of. And by quantifying it now suddenly doesn't seem as big or as a huge giant or some terrifying thing that's out there. So that was the, that was the very first thing that I had to do. I mean, like when I was looking at the rivers, uh, it, it, it was high, it was running fast. And then I said, okay, well, did I prep for all of this stuff? And that's where it translates into the creating the plan. I had looked at all of the uh, stats as far as the volume of water, how high the water was. It wasn't above flood stage. It was okay. Uh, we actually had looked at uh, the fact that it was cleared because they were taking rafting trips down there. There was a lot of components that were in there as far as gathering information to be able to create our plan. And so when I identified that I was feeling afraid, I would go back and say, okay, yep, I already created a plan, but I have to identify and then go back and make sure that my plan is correct. And that's a key element as far as transitioning from I'm identifying to the point of, okay, here I have the plan that I can now jump into and I can move forward. You know, in the Sturgeon River, for example, you have to have your uh, life jackets, your preservers. You got to make sure that you got your, all, all these different components that you need to be able to successfully take that trip. We had done that previously, and now we're standing there looking at it and recognizing that I'm a little bit nervous about this. So anyway, I, I want to be careful because I want to give you a chance to also put in, because I you're you got a lot of value to add to your song. Oh, you're good. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I love this. <laughs> I love this. I'm sitting, as you're talking, I'm thinking of all, all these examples that I can pull from the things that I have been afraid of. Because, yes, I'm a jumper, but we all have fears. So there has mm-hmm. been things in the past I was afraid of. And for me, it was the same thing that you said that I had to kind of quantify. I had to say, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Why am I afraid of this? And then even if I was still a little afraid, I came up with this trick that – is not really a trick now that I understand mindset, but I thought it was a trick at the time. <laughs> <It's a teenager. laughs> uh, I was terrified getting on stage. I, you know, as soon as I got on stage, I felt like my stomach just kind of like fell to my toes, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was, you know, involved in music. I sang and I was involved in some acting and some different things. And so getting on stage was kind of part of it. And I developed this way of telling myself, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid, you know, and it worked because if I told myself I wasn't afraid, I wasn't afraid. And I thought that it was just trick that I made up, but really it's very, there's a lot of psychological, you know, stuff behind that. Yeah, I did. It's funny you say that because I did the, the similar thing, but just slightly different. And maybe people resonate with what you said versus what this is. But it's for me, when I would feel that those nerves start to rise, because I did drama and I traveled on teams and was like, I did tons and tons of acting and whatever. But when I start to feel that, I would tell myself, well, it's, it's because I'm excited to get out on stage. It's not because yeah. I'm afraid to get out on stage. It's because I'm excited 
And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, okay, now I can't wait. Cause now I'm excited. I mean, the same energy, the same feeling that I was having, which was kind of a fear aspect of it. I just told myself, well, that's really excitement because yeah. you're, you want to get out there. You want to share your story. That's good. I love that. It's, it's, it's like reverse psychology still. You know? <laughs> was, that was way before we had all the PhD stuff and all this yeah. other extra thing. I mean, you know? we just, we just thought we were making it up. We just thought we were <laughs> geniuses. Yeah. That's, that was <laughs> exactly, exactly. So when we're looking at the creating a plan, here's another aspect. And this is a really, really great principle that you can apply. You can have as much certainty as you can plan for. In other words, there's only a certain amount of planning that can happen in any situation. You're not going to know all of the environmental type issues, the circumstances. Shoot, at the beginning of 2020, we had no idea that COVID was going to happen. We had zero idea. So I was working with companies, clients, business, whatever. And we were planning out, okay, forecasting 2020. We had all of our marketing plan. Everything was there. And all of a sudden, boom, here you go. Here's COVID. And so what I'm trying to express on that is that we can plan things, but there's only going to be a certain amount of certainty, a certain amount of stability. And then we just have to know there's going to be an unstable portion that is completely outside of our control. Exactly. And that's also going to create some of the fear. But again, going through these steps of identifying, going back to your plan, creating that plan, making sure that you look at all of the necessary information and having that plan in place gives you the confidence and the certainty that you can gain from that to be able to continue to take that next step. Absolutely. And that, I mean, that literally is the core of my podcast. <laughs> I mean, literally, that is the the successfully chaotic. I mean, where that came from is just, you know, for so long, I tried to smooth my life out, which I have seven kids. There is no smoothing my life out. <laughs> seven None. personalities. I have, seven, yep. oh, man. And one of them's on the spectrum. So he's a different kid every day. So it's just, you know, there was no, you know, complete planning. And I've, I've, from my experience, most people fall naturally into either their planners or they're just, you know, fly by the seat of their pants types. And I was definitely the fly by the seat of my pants type on most things. Um, I do have my little tiny OCD things that I hold on to, but for the most part, I fly by the seat of my pants. But, you know, there's no planning for the chaos of life. You can prepare for the fact that it's going to happen, right? You know that chaos is going to be a part of your life. Now, your flavor of chaos may be different, right. you know, but it's yep. going to be chaotic no matter what. Something's going to go, like like you mentioned, 2020. Nobody's 2020 what included this. <laughs> oh. Zero people out there. So I don't care if you are like the best planner on the planet, your plans were screwed <laughs> this year. Yeah. <laughs> just, that's just how it is. It no. just wasn't, I mean, and that's where all of this stuff comes into place. We can, again, choose to live in a state of inaction or we can choose to act. And I'm, I'm always going to lean and fall towards the spot that I'm going to say, I am going to act. That's just Absolutely. what I'm going to do Absolutely. because I, that is the way that I'm choosing to live my life. Uh, and, and one other component in this, as far as planning and I think this is really important, especially in today's digital age with all of the social media that's out there, all of the information that's available. We have an overabundance of information. Oh, Lord, yes. On the other hand, we have a limited amount of attention. Mm-hmm. So we're all blessed with 24 hours in a day. In that 24 hours, we've got all kinds of things that are going on. If you choose to, you can spend 24 hours consuming information, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, negative, positive, it doesn't... Yep. All of that, you can continue to consume that. My point on this, especially as you're creating a plan, is be very careful on where you're getting your information. 
Because if you allow all of that information, all of the negative information to come in, you're going to live in fear. You're going to live in a state of inaction. And indecisiveness. Yeah. If you, if you choose to listen to the positive and the benefits that's going to increase and give you energy, that area will help you create a more solid, stable plan to be able to move through that fear. Yeah. Have to be careful. Well, and I know another thing that I think kind of goes along with that is just the idea that a lot of people think that they have to do things one certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I used to work corporate marketing. I know how we did it, you know, (laughs) kind of in corporate. And when I first started my business, I screwed up because I tried to just take that corporate mindset and just place it in a small business with not a corporate budget. You know what I mean? And it was just, it just didn't, it wasn't working and it didn't go with my personality. You know, there was just so many things wrong and, you know, I just kept tripping and falling and tripping and falling, tripping and falling until I figured out, okay, first of all, why, you know, I had to ask myself, why, why do I think I need to do it like this? Well, that's because of how I've always done it. Well, why do I think that? And, you know, keep digging back on all the whys. But, you know, what it come down to it is, you know, I would rather ugly launch it. I actually teach a class called Ugly Launch, which I've got a little bit of negative feedback on from some people going, in marketing going, you shouldn't teach people to just throw it out there. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> I'm not saying just take a bucket of crap and just say, here you go. But I'm saying you can spend 80% of your time on just fine little detail of something that nobody is going to freaking notice. Because exactly. guess what? I had done that, you know, yeah. and, you know, done is more profitable than perfect. And I lost so much money and so much time on yeah. trying to craft this thing that I thought was good enough to put out there because I'm, again, my fear, I was afraid of what people were going to think. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine has this saying, his name is Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian. It's not Ian. It's Ian. So Ian, Ian Garlic says this and he actually printed it on a shirt. He said, version done is better than version none. Yep. I love that. <laughs> and it goes right along hand in hand with what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's beautifully chaotic as yeah. far as to be able to launch something because there's not going to be a perfect plan. And no matter if you had a perfect plan, inevitably something's going to come along and screw up that perfect plan and it's going to go right out the window. I mean, absolutely. The best, <laughs> yeah, they say the best laid plans of men and, it, it, you know, God looks down at us and just laughs. He's like, ha, see, I'm going to show you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here's COVID. <laughs> well, I mean, and again, I've worked corporate marketing and they had a huge, pretty much, uh, limitless budget, you know, yeah. and I've seen how things still screwed up all the time. So why I thought that I could take my like piggy bank budget you know, <laughs> and try to like not have hangups. I don't even know. Like, it's funny how we get out of these things that we do and we look back, we're like, Oh my gosh, you know, cause it seems I, so common sense. You know what I mean? But I, totally, totally. And the meetings, the endless meetings in yes. corporate world, oh, oh, I was like my banging gosh. my head. So I came out of the corporate world too, but that's, Boy, um, the one thing I will say, and this is something that, that you brought up as far as the difference between a corporation and then basically your small business, especially as it comes to leadership. The one component that I've noticed is that corporates tend to get very bureaucratic. Absolutely. Bureauc- bureaucracy is needed because you have to have rules and lists and things, but to do it at the expense of a relationship is where most small businesses fail. Yep. And that's when they, when they start binding relationships it crashes the culture and it really creates a lot of fear and trepidity in the employees did i say i don't know if i said that word right but hey that's what we got i know what it means so but yeah we got it but that's a that's a really key element because so often when as a leader we're creating this quote unquote stable environment by list of rules by list of things to do checklist what all of these accountability things and not realizing that we're creating 
uh, chaotic, fearful situation for our employees. Yeah. So you have to be careful on how much bureaucracy you incorporate into a business at the expense of relationship because you have to keep those things in balance. Absolutely have to keep them in balance. I, I absolutely agree. I know with small businesses that I work with, some of them are kind of getting on the larger side. And I've actually got to watch how as their business you know, financially improved, their culture started to decline. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a tricky thing to bring stuff like that up to a leadership team. Um, you have to be very careful on how you present that. But, you know, with some of them, it should be blaringly obvious because yeah. their turnover rate starts just going through the roof and they can't figure it out. It's, 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 um, it's again, like I was just mentioning about stuff that I didn't see when I was in the middle of it. I come out of it like, Oh my gosh, that was like as clear as day. But I think they're so close to it in the middle of it. And that's, you know, that's one of the things I talk to people when I'm talking to them about consulting. Is that why, that's why you need a consultant to come in yes. because it's so hard to figure out what's going on. I use consultants. I'm a consultant and I use consultants. Yeah. I'm a coach. I use a coach. Yep. There's reasons for those things because it's really hard to see your own issues. If, if, if you're right there dealing with yeah. it. Yeah. I, I call them blind spots and yeah. uh, somebody introduced me to that. I call them typos. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, it's the same concept. It's the same yeah. principle. And I think everybody, once you grasp the concept and the principle, it's like, yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. when you're driving in a car, how many blind spots do you have? There's like 20 plus blind spots yep. just driving in a car. You need people to say, Hey, there's something right behind you. You can't see all of it. There's Absolutely. Right front, there's blind spots everywhere. And that's exactly when we go through, especially when it's our baby. And that's what most small yep. businesses treat. That's like, this is my baby. I, I'm, I'm, keep taking care of my baby and don't tell me anything about my baby. Cause this is yeah. my baby. Don't tell me. Yeah. Anything. And so all of a sudden they get, then they develop these blind spots and that's where the consultant, the coach comes in and says, look, this is going on. This should be a warning sign. This should be a warning signal and check engine lights should be coming on. Absolutely. You should know that something's happening here and you need to correct it or it's going to become a big issue. It's going to lead to a catastrophic crash or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, I have a wellness company on the side. That's actually, I've been in the wellness world longer than the marketing world since 2001. And I do a lot of corporate like wellness stuff with people because I'm a nutritionist and a trainer. But um, one of the things that I found is hilariously enough, I always try to keep my businesses completely separate because they're two different worlds. Right. Yeah. But I would get in there and I start to deal with these people and, you know, you would end up dealing with them on a level and then you'd figure out, well, you know, the owner of the business is, st- is just feels like crap and he has all these health issues and he's this, that, and the other, and he's not making it to the office all the time. So then the second command's taking over and it ends up being go. Well, you dig it back to the core issue. And a lot of times it's, should be so easy to see like number one he needed to take care of his health and number two he needed to go ahead and pass over a lot of the stuff over to somebody else if he physically couldn't do it and that doesn't end up happening and again you mentioned the key right there is because it's their baby and and i know the first time i ever delegated something out that was the hardest thing because i was like a helicopter mom sitting there you doing okay how's it going you doing all right you know it was terrible it was terrible and but it's one of those things that you have to do it you have to do it afraid right yep and that's exactly what it is because you're afraid that they're going to mess it up and that's again going back to the definition of fear is the fact it's something that could cause pain or it's a threat to your business or a threat to your baby we're using that when you see that and you delegate, that's the first step. It's like, oh, and, and maybe somebody's listening and all of a sudden it's like that, that light bulb just went off in their head. Pay attention to that light bulb because that's really an important 
trigger for you to now look at that. And maybe that needs a little bit more introspection and take yeah. some time to reflect on it because now you can identify it and say, Oh, wow, this is definitely something I need to work on and be able to do that. Now you can create a plan around it. But the, and then the third thing is, so all of this, all of these steps going in line, the third one is you must act. It's yeah. all about taking that first step. Because if you don't take that first step, you can plan, you can quantify, you can identify, you can do all those things. But if you don't actually implement, man, it's useless. I mean, I, I've watched people get stuck in that whole planning stage for years. And years. Oh, I mean, absolutely. people get stuck in college because they can't plan their future. It absolutely. happens all the time. Absolutely. That's what I was going to ask you, because uh, I know my answer would be quite a large percentage, but out of the people you work with, how many people get stuck in number three? <laughs> Probably a many. large. Many. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the key elements that I always do whenever I'm coaching somebody. And I'm sure probably you do the same thing is before we end the call. And I noticed this, especially in corporate world, they would all talk and talk and talk, but nobody walked away with an actionable and a timeline. Yep. And those are always the two keys. What is the thing that you are going to do? There's actually three. Who's going to take ownership? But in this situation, it's assumed you know who's taking yep. ownership. Yep. So who's going to take ownership? What is it that you're going to do? And when are you going to get it done? Absolutely. That gives you a quantifiable timeline. It gives you a very specific step. It gives all those things. If you can just learn to do that with your own life, that will completely change everything because it gives you the power to be able to move forward in spite of the fear. Absolutely. And I think like on number three, what I was mentioning earlier, a lot of people that I have worked with fall into levels. They either are over planners. So they literally want to fine tune plan everything out or they're under planners. (laughs) They don't plan at all. And um, I think that both of those things can really screw up that number three. So let's go on to number four though. What was your number four? So the number four is adapting to change because here's the, here's the number one challenge that I see, especially with high driving personalities, which tends to be your business owners, your entrepreneurs, your CEOs, all of them, again, men, women, both. <clears throat> we have this innate challenge. I guess I'll just use that word. We have this innate situation that we believe and we attempt to control every result. So if you're in marketing, your result is generating leads. If you're in sales, your result is sales, is all of the revenue that's going on. If you're the CEO, it's the growth of the company. And see, our world and society looks at that and says, okay, that's how we're going to measure you on whether or not you're successful. But the reality is we really have zero control over our results. Absolutely. The only thing that we have control over is what we do on a daily basis because that daily action produces those results. And see, that's where society has got it wrong because they're looking at, okay, my value is associated with the results, but not, that's not true. Your value is associated with how you show up consistently on a daily basis. Absolutely. And so showing up gives you the ability to be able to adapt with the changing environment. Because again, you cannot control all of the results of everything that's going on. So going back to the whole story about the, the river and, the, and going down the Sturgeon River, Yes, I was nervous going into it. I was anxious. I had some fear that was going on. But I knew that we had created our plan. I knew that we had checked all of the boxes for safety. We had all of the equipment that was necessary. We checked all of the things that were, that were there. So the next phase of that was to act and to implement all of the stuff that we had, put the fear in a box, and now I'm going to put my butt in the kayak, and we're going to start off, and we're going to launch. And so as we started off and we started launching, here's where things change in a moment. Because 
as we look at in our environment, and again, nobody knew back January 2020, COVID was going to show up in March and April and going to just totally upend things. And it happened so fast. It was not just a, a day or two. It was like about a week or so. Same thing when we're in the water. See, there's these deadfalls that fall across the river. And as a deadfall falls across the river, the water flows through, but the branches bind up and doesn't allow you to get through. So as a kayaker, you've got to get to the edge of the, of the bank, get out, port your kayak around to get in on the other side. And that's where we found ourselves is we were coming up and we hit a couple of these deadfalls. And so in our situation, there's four guys up in front of me. There was, I was a guy that was furthest back. And then there was one guy that was real close to me and everybody yelled, Hey, get out. So we all started headed to this towards the side. What I didn't realize, and these are all things I couldn't plan for was that the bank that we were headed to was about four foot deep. And we couldn't just jump right out. It couldn't just get out very easily and not have to worry about it. It was four foot deep. And the guy that jumped down in front of me almost went in and under. Suddenly, I found myself in a very perilous situation where my kayak jumped up against a log. And if you know anything about kayaking, water the weight of water is massive, even in four foot. And so it started coming up over the edge of my kayak. And as soon as that happened, in about 30 seconds, my kayak was flipped and I was underneath of the kayak. Now we have these things called paddle straps. And what that does is it connects your paddle to your kayak. So you don't lose your paddle when you flip. And in this situation, flipping was inevitable. The crazy thing in this situation is as I flipped, the kayak strap wrapped itself around my legs three times, maybe four, couldn't even count. And so I found myself not only being dragged under the water by my own body weight and by the force of water hitting me, but the water was also hitting the kayak and forcing the weight of the kayak to pull me down that I was now tied to. And so the first thing that I'm looking at, and they say your life flashes behind, you know, in front of your eyes. And all, that wasn't my experience. My experience is <laughs> where's the light and where can I get a breath? So I'm looking up trying to find the light because I knew that was the top. And I finally see it up there. I see it between a couple of logs. I'm reaching up, trying to grab stuff. And I'm, God saved, obviously, a lot of this kind of stuff. But he found there was a, a pine log that had a lot of little branches sticking out. I was able to grab that with my two arms and I was able to pull my head above water. And so I was able to get a couple of breaths, but that was it. That was all that I could possibly do. And this is a really key lesson that I learned coming away from that. Number one, obviously you got to plan, but number two, you've got to know when to ask for help because there's many, many, many situations. And I believe this to be the biggest lie that business owners, CEOs, and people that are in positions of leadership fall prey to is that they are the only one that is going through a challenge. So if I can break that belief, I'll feel like I've been successful in all of my talks. If I can just break that one belief and teach and train and help people realize they are not alone, my life's worthwhile. <laughs> because I know for a fact that if you fall into the, fall prey to that belief that you're alone, it will lead to isolation, which leads to depression, which leads to all sorts of bad things that are going to happen in your life. Always, always, always know when you need to reach out and don't be afraid to do that. Absolutely. So I was sitting there hanging on for dear life. And I said, I need help. I mean, I'm yelling this at the top of my lungs. So the guy that was in front of me was able to grab the kayak and pull the weight off. So it wouldn't pull me down underneath of all the branches. My son hears me because he was the next guy up and he comes out and he's 17. So he's a lot lighter. He was able to walk out on the logs and he said, what can I do? Okay. Now we go back to our planning, right? Now we go back to the analyzation of, okay, what in the world's going on here? So he's like that. I can't see anything. I can't help you get up. I can't do anything. Okay. So now I have got to calm my butt down just enough to figure out what is happening. And that's when I realized I got this cord wrapped around my legs. So the first thing I got to do now, this is the plan. We got to get the cord unwrapped. So I said, okay, the cord's wrapped. Dad, I can't reach it. Okay. 
Now we got to look at it and say, how do I, how do you reach it? So I had to be able to kind of configure my body, reach my legs up. Finally, he was able to get it, unwrap it. And as soon as that happened, everything went back to being normal. Because now I could use my feet. I could leverage myself up. I could get up on the log. And suddenly I was now out of the dangerous situation of being pulled underneath of these deadfalls. So I had to reach out. I had to do that. Now adrenaline's kicking. I'm sitting on top of the log. I'm shaking like a leaf because the adrenaline's kicking so bad. But again, we had the plan. Things changed quickly. We had to adapt to what was going on in the environment. And I had to be willing to ask for help when I knew I was in peril. You have to be willing to be able to reach out. So I, there's this one, one statement, and I, I want to read this because it, it's a, I really, really love this. And uh, Paul Perino, he made the statement in a book called Wow Factor, but it's this. I believe everyone has the ability to overcome their fear with a bit of direction and a positive push. So let me say that again. I believe everyone has the ability to overcome their fear with a bit of direction and a positive push. And no matter what it is that you're facing right now, what fear you have, a bit of direction is what we just gave you, four steps. The positive push, and this is where I want you to reach out to somebody that is a friend, a trusted friend, and tell them some of the challenges that you're going through. So whether you're uh, working with a mentor, you're working with a coach, or whether it's an accountability partner, whomever it is, reach out and let them know so they can be your positive push because everyone can overcome their fear. That's great. That's great. And I know for a lot of people, like you said, high achievers, entrepreneurs, especially their fear is the vulnerability. So that's the tough part. (laughs) You know, I know my fear was being vulnerable because like we talked about earlier, I was always the fixer and Mm -hmm. that was part of my identity. So I identified as a fixer. So if you become vulnerable, you're in a way, giving away your sense of self, because that's who you've established yourself as. So it wasn't an easy process. And I know there's other people to get through that years. It's hard to get through that. And I still, even when I have to ask for help now, it's like I get punched in the gut. I do it, but it's like a punch in the gut. And I probably always will be to some level. Um, I know that the benefit is makes the punch in the gut worth it, you know, and I always equate it. I fought MMA for a while and trained MMA fighters and, you know, getting hits part of it, part of the game. Right. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, whenever I have to ask for help, I get that initial gut punch, mm-hmm. just part of the game, right. It's part of it for me. So I think, you know, if you can overcome any of your fears, whether it's vulnerability or whether it's something else, I think you are, way, way, way ahead of the game on making the rest of what you want to do and rest of your dreams and all of that a reality as cliche as that sounds. Yeah. But, but it's so true. It's so true. And, and for me personally, it was a sign of weakness if I asked for help. Yeah. That was me. And so as a man, I'm looking at this and saying, okay, I've got to be strong for my family. I've got to carry the weight of the world. I've got to do all of these things on my own because that's what society is telling me to do. And then I fall into that belief and now it's like, okay, you can't reach out for help, but I'm drowning literally drowning and I can't do it on my own. And so if I don't ask for help and if I don't reach out and I I often say this because I, I truly believe this and I've seen it happen so often, the path to success and the path to a nervous breakdown is separated by a razor thin line. Because as you're going down that path to success, you don't realize how much energy it's taking to do that. And often we don't recover. We don't give back and we don't have that physical energy. We don't take care of our bodies like you were saying. We don't take care of ourselves physically, mentally, spiritually, and socially. 
And that pushes us over the edge. And that's where we often see these big failures from CEOs that just crash and burn because they haven't been taking care of themselves. So don't let yourself cross over that line. Take care of yourself. Again, in all four areas, those are my four core principles, but in all four areas, you've got to take care of yourself. And from my experience, most people do really good at one or two of them. And the yep. other ones are kind of like, mm, not so good yeah, at. And, yeah. I and, watch my diet. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing, you know, I, I even have a client right now that I'm working with that I've been working with them just on a marketing strategy. And they came to me just because they've had some poor testing at the doctor and they're like, I really need to get, you know, my nutrition in line. Can you help me? And I'm like, I absolutely will help you. But what they don't realize is I've been mentioning to them for a while because I seen, I seen it in their business. I seen it in their business because they didn't have the energy to take care of the things that they usually did. Um, Because I've worked with them for a while now. They didn't have that energy level. They were reacting to stuff instead of taking action and I mentioned it to them that, you know, that I thought that they needed to start delegating a little more, de-stress a little more and all that stuff. But it wasn't until the doctor gave him some news that he didn't want to hear that kind of light bulb went off. And yep. I think sometimes it takes those catalyst things, those super chaotic, those terrible things for us to kind of get a kick in the seat of the pants. And I'm not any different. No, I didn't. I've never struggled with the nutrition and the fitness because I've lived in that world. That was my easy world. But I struggled with resting. I was terrible at resting. I would sleep two and three hours a night because I just had to get it done. Had to, you know, grind and hustle, grind. You know, as business owners, we're told grind and hustle, grind and hustle, which isn't bad inherently. But if we're just pushing ourselves over the limit, it can become bad. You know, I'm all about a good grind, good hustle. You know, I'm all about doing my best job, but resting is part of it. (laughs) It is 100% part of it because resting shows that you trust your process. You're trusting your your daily actions are going to produce those results. That's what the the resting comes from. Because I I had one of those catalyst moments. It's interesting you're talking about those because I had one of those. Um, long, long story short is basically I allowed myself to get drained emotionally, physically, and mentally from, and spiritually from all of the aspects. And I had nothing left in my tank driving home late one night back from my parents' house. So on get home, our garage door falls. And I went all MMA, WWE, whatever you want to call it. I went all in this garage door because I was going to get through this garage door. You know, I'm laying the people's elbow on it. I'm doing the flying sidekicks. I'm like, I'm getting through this garage door. All meanwhile, in the back of my head, these warning sounds are going off. Your wife is in the car. Your kids are in the car. They've never seen you act like this. Yeah. They're looking at this monster of a guy. What the heck are you doing? And that's when I realized if I don't take care of myself, I, something else worse is going to happen. Something that just snaps in my brain and causes me to go off on the deep end of whatever it is that I react on. And that was my catalyst. I mean, like that, that was the one thing that was like, dude, you better wake up because this is not healthy. Something's broken. Yeah. Well, and, and it's usually such a buildup. Um, I know I've shared on here um, a lot of times about I had a complete anxiety attack last year mm. and I was actually humiliated to say that for most of last year, because again, I've always been a fixer. I'm the strong one. I'm the one yep. people come to, to fix stuff. Da, da, da. But I had had so much went on in 2018 and early, very early 2019 that I was just like ready to crack. And it was just like the smallest hair that just broke me. It wasn't even a big thing. It was like a super minor thing, but it was just like, I couldn't take it anymore. And I was just like, I was just done. I was just done, done, done. And, you know, in retrospect, 
that was probably the best thing that ever could have happened to me, um, which sounds stupid. I would have never thought I would have said that, but the best thing that ever could have happened to me because it forced me to take a look at my entire life, everything that I was doing, ask myself, why am I doing them? There were so many things I was doing for zero reason, just because I told myself I needed, nobody else was telling me I needed to do it, but I was telling myself that I needed to do it. (laughs) You know, yeah. uh, yeah. So, I mean, it was just one of those things that I had, I was able to kind of take a deep dive into my life and a lot of that still dug back to things I thought I had really dealt with and taken care of, which fear of vulnerability was one right. of those. I thought I'd already dealt with that, but there were still little pieces of it I was hanging on to. Like, yeah, I'm just going to hold this thing. I'm going to keep it. it. Yeah. You know, there's still little pieces that I was holding on to, and it was just like killing me from the inside out. So, you know, with that, all that happening, and I had to kind of really, really have to deal with all aspects of my life, I was able to rebuild it the way that I wanted then. So Mm -hmm. I don't look at it as a negative. Um, It felt very much like a negative at that moment, but I don't look at it as a negative now because I was able to look at my life and say, okay, well, this fits. This doesn't fit. This fits. This doesn't fit. Because that's the thing I think people forget is that we get into business ownership for a variety of reasons. But one of the payouts that we see, no matter what the reason you get into it is, is the freedom. Most of us don't allow ourselves the freedom because we're piling so much crap on ourselves. And right now I'm working two days a week. And it's hilarious because I've been keeping my numbers because I'm going to share this out next year compared to when I was working, like, I don't even know, six to seven days a week last last year. I don't even know the number. I'd have to look at it. But I've got it saved. But – I, I'm, I didn't go down in income because I just took away all the crap that really wasn't making me money. I took away the, the stuff that wasn't needle moving, the stuff that wa- I wasn't doing either because it was needle moving or it wasn't something that I chose to do as a give back because I have a certain amount of things I do just to give back. Right. And I can't always give back, which was a problem. I had the inability. I didn't have boundaries. I wouldn't yeah, say I no. If it was for a good thing, I'd be like, yeah, I can totally do that. I can totally do that. And I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to do it. You know? <laughs> you I'm like, later, like yeah, so it's like 3 a.m. And yeah, I'm yeah. trying to do this because I said I'd do it. And then I'm like snapping at my husband and my kids all the next day. You know what I mean? It's just, it, it becomes this cycle. So I budget my time just like I budget my money. There's only a certain amount of time that goes into giving back. I love to give back. I'm a helper at heart. I will always be a helper. I don't want to lose that identity that I have, but I also can't pour from an empty cup. You know, I can't exactly. give what yep. I can't afford to give. Yep. So I, I think all of that kind of boils down to, we talked before we went on air just about leadership and just about just at the core of leadership. I really think a lot of our leadership issues and a lot of these companies goes back to just self-care and just self-reflection it 100 percent does i have things that i use as triggers like you just said about the fact of you kind of get impatient with your husband and your kids i find myself in that exact same situation and when i find that i am short with my kids or i'm snappy with my wife or something like i just i get that kind of feeling i have to be incredibly honest with myself take a step back and say why Yep. And so there's certain things in my life, these are certain triggers that I see that and all of a sudden it's like a boom, okay. I need to I need to step back. I need to disconnect. I need to there's something that's wrong and we have to be insanely honest with ourselves and we're not always because we want to please everybody, we want to have that success but we're not honest with ourselves. And so we have to really 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 pay attention to that. And again, some of those are blind spots. Sometimes you don't realize that until you get a coach or a mentor but you have to be honest, have to be honest with that. And then that goes back and I have five phases of leadership. But the very first one is yourself. You have to learn how to lead yourself. 
then you learn how to be able to be a leader of followers, leader of leaders, and so on. But you have to be able to learn how to control, learn about yourself, lead yourself, because without that base, you don't know how to lead other followers. You don't know how to train another leader. You've got to go through that phase. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people can take from that, whether it's a owner of a company, you know, whether it's a wife or a husband, whether it's a parent. I mean, I, it's funny since I started working with a coach and doing a lot of things, I feel like I'm a better parent too. (laughs) Um, just because I'm able to speak with them on a level that I I wasn't like, I guess my vulnerability kind of leaked in or lack of vulnerability, I guess, leaked into all aspects, even into my parenting, into my marriage. I didn't realize how not vulnerable I was with my husband. And I wonder why our marriage wasn't the way that it was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And it was because, you know, there was just a block. So, I mean, I think you could take that idea and literally plug and play it into every single aspect aspect. of your life. And so you need to, like you said, be honest with yourself why are you feeling the way that you are? You know, what is your hangups? What is your self-doubt, your, your limiting beliefs? You know, all of these things that kind of hold us back. And are you, when you're doing these things, are you, you know, reacting? Because I know for me, a lot of the stuff that went on, the arguments, again, it was just like a, it was a, it was a reaction. I'm, I'm mad at myself because I thought I should do A, B, C, D, which really I should have only done A because B through D was stupid anyway, but I didn't have enough time to get them done. So I'm mad at myself. So I'm like at home and the kids have their shoes by the the door and yeah, yeah, my husband didn't do this or whatever. I'm just like, ah, ah." so it just builds up all day until boom, you snap, you know, but really I was mad at myself and I was only mad at myself because I wasn't being honest with myself about what I really needed, what I really wanted, what I really expected. You know, all these things really went back to me and, you know, going through, all of this stuff with a coach and with a therapist last year, um, you know, I was able to figure out stuff about my entire life that I just never seen before. We mentioned earlier about you, you, you know, call it the blind spot. I call it the typo, you know, is that I didn't see, it's the same idea. You know, I didn't see my own typos. You know, I explained to people that you, you type up a paper and you read it. You're like, yeah, this is on point. And you give it to your buddy. And they're like, oh, there's a typo here. Run yep, on sentence, exactly. typo, typo, typo. But you read it like 15 times and you didn't see it yep. because you know, you were too close to it. And your brain tells you what it's supposed to say. And that's how it is with your own life you know, you know what you want and you tell yourself you're on the right path because you're going through the right motions. But really for the outside person looking in, you're not on the right path. And if this is your goal right here, you're like zigzagging all over the freaking place. And that was the case with me. You know, and I didn't see it. Yeah. It's amazing to me too, so often how the beliefs that are in society and from our childhood translate into the way that we operate our business, the way we operate our family lives. And while I, I know my parents there was an in, it was taught to me this belief that business and personal are two completely separate things. Mm-hmm. And so growing up, that's what was ingrained. And now when I look back, I'm like, why? That's so, so dumb. But yet that's what our society falls to. That's the default mode of what we have. Absolutely. In reality, they're intertwined in ways that we will never truly understand. I don't think we will. Uh, because when we look at it, if I have a bad day with my wife or a bad in relationship with my kids, that impacts every decision that I make in business and vice versa. Bad day of business, it impacts my relationship with my kids. And with I, I just cannot separate those two out. I'm one person. I can't just become two different people just because all of a sudden I got home or I put this hat on or I did that. Yep. They're inter- intertwined. And that's why when we look at business, I, I and I'm sure you've seen this too, I can tie 
business challenges almost directly back to something that's going on in their personal life or within their family, almost 100% of the time. And those two things have to grow together. Otherwise, I, I built, we, we were doing another company. I watched several guys make millions of dollars. After they made a million dollars, their entire lives would implode because the money magnified who they were as a person. It didn't change them. It magnified it. Yep. So if you're not growing with your business, your business most likely will implode unless you make those changes. Absolutely. And I know you hit the nail on the head where there's several episodes that I have literally deal with the subject because I was that person coming from corporate. I mm-hmm. tried to keep my world separate because my life was so chaotic and then I had to show up the way my boss wanted me to show up in corporate, which had nothing to do with what my personal life was. Trust yeah. me. So it was like when I started my own business, I still tried to keep all these compartments. And I kind of, I, I talk about, you know, our lives kind of like this giant balloon game. You ever play the balloon game where you just try to keep them all up in the air and you just don't want them to hit the ground? So, you know, that's, that's kind of what life is like. It's like, you're just trying to keep the balloons in the air. So, you know, if you try to play two separate balloon games, you're trying to run back and forth to different rings to do it. Lots more are going to hit the ground. So, you know, me trying to keep everything so separate exhausted me and it made it to where less things were working because I was so like pulled thin, you know, I was having to put on, you mentioned hats. I was having to put on the mom hat and having to put on the wife hat, having to put on the wellness company hat, having to put on marketing hat. And I was just like exhausted and it was pointless. It was completely pointless because when, again, last year, when I kind of had my meltdown, everything blended together automatically because that was just the way it was. And I was like, okay, well, this is nice because I didn't have to be more than one person. I was just showing up as myself and I had to be okay with the fact that not everybody was going to like that self. And that was hard for me. Yeah. You know, because you're a people I, I, pleaser. Yep. I am. I didn't, I like always pretend like I didn't care. Like I was like, I don't care what people think. I totally don't care what people think. I want to not care what people think, but I do. And I have to even still keep myself in check and say, it doesn't matter because you're showing up as the person you are and your right people will love that. And it's, it's, a, it's a struggle. You know, I can say, I'm not going to ever be able to truthfully say, I don't care what people think because I want to not care what people think, but I do. You know, and that's hard because, you know, I wanted to be able to be that person, that person needed. So I'd show up as all these people is like having a split personality, but it was like, it was exhausting. Very exhausting. I've been there. Totally been there. (laughs) Yeah. And for me, it's certain people that I uh, respect and I really want them to like me, but yet it's interesting how paradoxical it is because I feel like I need to be something for them. And, and yet what really truly gains their respect and what really truly makes them like me is when I'm myself, yeah. not the chameleon that I come out as, as being to be able to try to earn. It just doesn't work and such a paradox, but that's the life we live. Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, it's okay to be yourself because we're all so layered. And I always use the quote from Shrek where he says like ogre, ogres have layers like onions because ogres are like onions. People are like onions or like, I guess like ogres because we all have these layers to us. I mean, you know, I automatically have these different things that I enjoy and these different kind of mini personalities within me. You know what I mean? They're these versions, you know, yeah. I'm very much a country girl. I love my hiking. I love being outside and barefooted and I love yoga and I love all this stuff, but I also have no no problem if I want to get dressed up going out in a pair of hills and going to do something. So that doesn't make me two different people. That's just different parts of myself that I like. And I, I guess I, before I tried to make them two different people, but when, when in reality, it just means sometimes I like this and sometimes I like that. And that's right. Okay. Exactly. Yep. 
Yeah. And that's sometimes where, again, this is the extrovert versus the introvert. And I know we could talk for days on all these kinds of things, but there's sometimes when even I, as an extrovert, I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. I just, I'm done. I like, I have nothing left for anybody. I just, I've got to get away. I've got to be by myself. And everybody looks at me like, you're an extrovert though. You are energized when people, yeah, that's true. But I've got a limit, man. I've got a certain limit that I've got to be able to do. And I've got to be honest with myself that I can't keep pushing and pushing and pushing when I'm dead. I'm exactly the same way. I always call myself an extroverted introvert because I'm very extroverted and I'm the same way. I absorb energy from people. That's the reason I always love being on the stage. You know, that's why I just loved it because I just, but after I was exhausted and I didn't want to see or talk to anybody, it just like zaps everything from me. So I definitely, (laughs) it does. It's like, it's like, it's like, I don't know if you've seen Harry Potter, but the Dementors, have you seen the scene with it? It's like, that's how it is. It's literally like that. So my kids are also like that. I have a meme floating around on one of my social media is where I, I made that as like a meme of my kids because that's how it is they my kids I love my kids with all my heart but they also suck my soul out sometimes <laughs> so yeah. yeah that is so true and if we're not careful because we treat our business like a kid yep they can do the exact same thing right it is. I mean, like that's the <laughs> parallel <laughs> absolutely absolutely so. so if if somebody's listening today and they're you know maybe struggling with you know self-limiting beliefs and fear and all these things and they wanted to kind of reach out to hear more about kind of what you do, where would they reach you at? Uh, the, the best place is on either website, my website, which is timcroll.com or through LinkedIn. If you send me a direct message, especially saying, Hey, I heard you guys on successfully chaotic. And I, I, I just, I'm struggling with this thing. Send me a direct message either on LinkedIn or even there's a contact me page on my, on my but tell me that you are listening to this. Tell me what's going on as far as like, hey, I have and I am dealing with fear. If you do that, I will give you some time. Now, I have a limited amount of time, so sometimes they fill out, but I will give you 15, 30 minutes just to kind of look at that because one of my passions, one of my things is I want to leave an impact, a positive impact, and this is one of my give back. So I will do that if you mention these specific things, but you got to yeah. follow the rules. So. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's only kind of for free. You have to follow the rules. That's, all, that's Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. You have to follow the rules and tell me exactly what it is. Cause I can't just give tons and tons of things away for free, but those well, are no. my boundaries. We just talked about boundaries, yep, boundaries, boundaries, budgeting our time. Yeah. All yep. of these, you know, we have to practice what we preach and yep. sometimes that's hard. It's, it's, it's funny trying to, I've caught myself in this before, like coaching somebody on something. And then next day something happens and I catch myself doing the thing that I told them oh, not to do. And I'm like, stop. Yeah. And, and it's like, oh, you dummy. I just told somebody else not yep. to do it. Now you're doing it. Like that's an, oh. Exactly. Well, I, but I think it's important to be vulnerable. Again, we're talking about vulnerability. I think it's important to be able to tell those things. And that's why I'm adamant about being real on this podcast, I think yeah. I'm more adamant than I've actually been told that don't share that. You don't want to say that. I had my mom call me. My mom has called me and she's like, Maria, I heard you on, on iTunes. That was on iTunes, Maria. I'm like, I know mom, I put it on iTunes, you know, because you know, I come from the family that it's like, shh, you know, we don't talk about yeah, the bad things, just the good yeah. things. But again, I think that's where a lot of my hangups from being vulnerable was, but I needed to hear other people say those things that I didn't have that in my life. So that, that's why I think it's so important for us to have these discussions like this to say, sometimes we screw up, you know, we are human. We're all human. And yes, it's still important to work with a coach or a consultant or whoever to be able to walk you through things. Cause we can see your blind spots, you know, your typos, 
but we also need somebody to see ours because exactly. again, we fall in the same holes, but I think yep. that allows people to be more authentic and more real. Um, I found that when I'm working with people, because I'm not one of those people that tries to pretend like they have it all together. Yep. I explain how I do great at this and I suck at this and I've done this, yeah. and I, you know what I mean? Because yep. So, I mean, I'm real. So, but they're more willing to open up because, you know, you think about it, if you're going to talk to somebody that in your mind is just perfect, you're going to be really hesitant to say all the million things that you feel like you're doing wrong. But if you're also talking to somebody who's being authentically real and raw and saying, I've been there, I've done this, you know, I still struggle with this. Then that allows there to be more, a deeper conversation, more intimate conversation. I, I, that's the one thing I wish we could change in our society because so many people are living in a position where they don't feel comfortable sharing their flaws. They don't feel yeah. comfortable sharing what they've failed with. And that, again, it leads back to the same topic, the same thing that we were talking about earlier. If you don't ask for help, you will fall prey to that isolation. That isolation, nine times out of 10, will lead to either some type of an addiction. It will lead to a depression, anxiety issues. Yeah. It will lead to all sorts of breakdowns because you believe you're the only one going through that. The community is created. The community was originally created there to support and encourage as we go through life. We're meant to journey together. We're not meant to walk this life alone. Contrary to what our, our society and what America was quote unquote built on, that's yeah. not true. It's just not how it works. No, no, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that continuing to have conversations like this, maybe we'll start the ball. And I know there's other people I've talked to that they're on the same page. You know, they're, they're, we're out there. All these people <laughs> were yeah. out there saying, yeah, be real and authentic and tell your flaws because, you know, if, they, if enough people keep saying it, you know, other people will be drawn in and then hopefully that'll start to change the world. It's that butterfly effect, you know, yeah, hopefully <laughs> that's my goal. That's like, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. So. <laughs> well, and I, I truly believe if I can just impact one person and I tell this to the business owners and people that we're consulting, because think about this, when you leave and you create a culture that impacts just one employee, that one employee goes home to maybe a family of five, that family of five now has brothers and sisters and relatives and cousins. And now your one touch with that employee just snowballs down to the fact that you can have an impact on 50 to hundred individuals because you did something cool and good inside of your company for one employee. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, I mean, that is why it's super important to get your, get your own mindset to where it needs to be. Reach yep. out and speak with somebody. Forget the idea that you think that somebody's going to judge you for this, that, and the other reach out to somebody that is all about being real yep. and authentic because we're out there, we've been there, you know, and I, I really love how, you know, vulnerable and real that you are. And you've mentioned a couple of times that, you know, you know, I've never been a man, so I can't speak for the men's male society, but I know that there is very much a stereotype that, you know, men can't be vulnerable. You know, yeah. men are not supposed to be vulnerable. I wasn't vulnerable because again, I'm the rebel and girls were supposed to cry over everything. And do this stuff, so I'm not going to be like that. <laughs> you know, so that was, so that's how I kind of reverse engineered myself into that problem. But, you know, it was, it was kind of one of those things, but anyway, yeah, I really love that you're, you're being real and authentic because I think that speaks to the, the men out there to say, you know, it's okay. Men have feelings too. I don't know why this started. Um, I have boys and girls because I have seven kids. I have four girls and three boys. And that's one of the things that I really hope, even if I fell at a thousand other things in my parenting journey, I really hope that I instill on them that it is okay to cry. It is okay to have feelings. It's okay to be vulnerable, to stop all this stereotype of what it 
means to be a man because we're all human and we all have those emotions and nobody should have to hide their emotions yeah. ever. Well, as men, what we do is we pack all of our emotions away and eventually it will blow up and eventually we'll have that breakdown. So I don't care what stage of life you're in, whether you're a younger guy and you've gone through a lot of challenges or you're 50 old plus at some point in time, that box is going to break. You cannot keep it contained forever. It just, it, it's impossible. And it, it, and if you do keep it contained, it will kill you. It just literally kill you from the physical breakdowns of your body, trying to contain all of that. It just, it will kill you. So it's what you said too. And you mentioned this and I, I want to really, really stress this because as you look for a coach or as you look for a mentor, my number one rule is you must resonate with whomever you're going to engage with. Absolutely. Cause we don't resonate with everybody. We don't have, the, we don't all have the same things. Somebody that resonates with you as a mom of seven kids is not going to be the same person that resonates with me Absolutely. as a dad of three kids. You know, and th- there's two different things and that's okay because we're all individuals. We're all different. We all have certain special superpowers and let's just focus on that rather than frankly, our differences. Uh, because find someone that you resonate with, find somebody that, that just really like, man, I really like what he says. I like what she says when they wrote, when you resonate, that's when you'll be able to, to trust the relationship and listen to what they have to say. Absolutely. I, I kind of equated like a dating process, honestly, because I don't take like people that come to me, I don't take every one of them on. I was like, no, okay, I do good it, fit has, it has to be. And it's not that and I always tell them. If you don't make it to the next stage, it's not because you did anything wrong or anything like that. It's just, I want to make sure that I can be all that you need. And sometimes I know that I can't for whatever reason, or sometimes somebody else, another coach that I know comes in my head, you know who they would be great with. And I constantly am sending people off because it's almost like playing matchmaker again, because it's like, Oh my gosh, they would be like a perfect fit, you know? And I, so I do that. I, I, I swear, I, I, I will need to start keeping track of how many I send off. I bet I send off more than I keep because typical. If if you're good at coaching, you recognize the talents, the personalities, and you can put them and place them in the right location with a coach that can cater towards those. Now, frankly, I believe you could probably coach anybody, but should you coach everybody? No, absolutely not. Because the principles are going to be the same. In fact, there's really nothing new that's under the sun. I mean, we've learned that through time. It's, it's how you resonate because resonating with somebody and how you relate to somebody that builds the key trust relationship. And it's because of the trust that will allow you to grow. Because if you have a coach and a coach really should make you feel uncomfortable there to draw out your skills and your talents by making you uncomfortable in your situation. And the only way that you can follow and get uncomfortable and listen to what the coach says and not rebel against that totally is if you trust them enough to do what it is that they're asking you to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. And I would love to think that all coaches have that same process, but I don't know that they do, (laughs) but but they definitely should. If you're a coach and you're listening to this, be more picky. I'm picky on all my clients for all my stuff. And I I had people question me on that. I was like, well, why are you giving that to that marketing company? Well, because I don't want to do that industry. You know, I have specific industries that I do amazing for and others that I don't want to learn. <laughs> yeah, don't ask me about the health and wellness. I mean, I yeah. can do a little bit, but that's not my speciality. I'll tell and, you and that's, too. that's the thing. Exactly. Well, that's, that's how it goes. It's like, you know, it's, it's, I'm great in the energy world. My, my whole, well, my grandpa, my dad, and my husband are all linemen. So I, I've 
literally grown up in the energy world. I can tell you way too much boring details <laughs> on that whole world. So I do great in the industry, even though I've never worked in it because I've grown up in it, you know, yeah. But there's other industries like logistics, for example, I did help a logistics company get started and do a few things. But I told them, I said, there's a limit. I can help you with until this point. And then we're going to have to find an industry specific consultant because that is not my jam. And I don't want to learn it. It is a whole, I mean, there's, there's so many industries and I see so many people just dabbling in all these industries and you can to a certain point, you know, there's a certain point that you can, but then when you get outside of that scope of just the normal everyday type of marketing, you have got to have somebody industry specific to really take it to the next level. That's the same thing with coaching. That's a reason that, you know, tapping into personalities and fits and playing matchmaker is key. I like playing matchmaker. I do. (laughs) I really love it. I'm like, you know, he'll be great with it's, it's almost like playing matchmaker for a girlfriend or something. I actually like it better than playing match. I have a girlfriend right now that she's wanting me to set her up with somebody. That's a lot more pressure though. <laughs> That's a lifelong pressure. That is or a, a lifelong goal or whatever. It is. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't know. So, yeah. but, and, and she's my age. So, you know, it's like, I don't know if you've seen that meme that goes around and says dating in your forties is, is terrible because it's like, everybody's half broken and leaking. And I don't <laughs> even remember. A lot what of baggage. <laughs> yeah. So that's the truth. I'm like, yeah, I can see that. So, but all right, well, I'll go ahead and wrap things up, but I'll make sure that for our listeners, all the links to get in touch with him will be in the show notes. And it was great having you on. I swear. I think we're like, we're like sister brother from another mother. Or yeah, I was kind of feeling that. I was yeah. like, wow, this is cool. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we got a lot, we got a lot in common. So I, I, I'd love to have you back on again sometime. I like to check back and forth with some people here and there. And yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, see how, how you're doing and how yeah. hopefully we just have, have to do another hangout where we just don't have an agenda and we'll just talk. And like, I like Ooh. that. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that I'm getting ready to start doing um, weekly live podcasting and I haven't started like you know how you make this thing on your calendar you circle it and then it gets that day you're like no not today (laughs) well I've done this now for a while that's what we need the coach for the accountability (laughs) coach like I know and here and back to the fear thing I'm gonna say this and I swear I'll stop talking but um I it's because it's like okay well I know I can sometimes find people but then to commit yourself to being live by yourself that's terrible I could talk all day long but sitting and talking to yourself, staring at yourself for the entire podcast. I struggle with that too. I, I, cause I need that any energy. Like you yeah. gave me energy today, which yeah. is great. And I, I would love I, this. It's a really hard thing and not very many people can do it, but I would love to do a live thing. For oh, some reason, I think it would be great. Excites me and I'm like, let's do it. Let's, well, try let's do it. See, okay. Well then let's, let's make a date. I'll circle it on my calendar and we'll stick. See, you'll, you'll hold me accountable. <laughs> you'll hold me accountable. We'll go ahead and do, I think it's great. Cause it's something I've been wanting to do for a while because one of the things I, I coach a lot of people on is do lives. And I, I do lives here and there, but for some reason doing a live podcast has been one of my own kind of hangups. I'm like, eh, it's just people expect more out of a live podcast than they do just going live and talking about whatever. And so I haven't done it, but I was like, I talk to people all the time. I'm like, you just can do it. You'll be fine. And I mean, what's the worst that can happen? But then I'm like, circling, I'm like, never mind. It's not this date. So yeah, the yeah. worst that can happen is somebody asks you an awkward question. Yeah, That's I know. the worst that can happen. I, I don't think, know. I I'm fine with awkward questions. Yeah. So am I. I, I was on a podcast <laughs> the other day. Um, and sorry, we're just talking, but that's okay. It's all right. So I was on the podcast the other day and we had the agenda and had everything else in the guy all of a sudden he goes hey let me ask you a question i mean this question came from left field or even in another ballpark i'm like 
This yeah. was this what, what I said. I love it, but this is not what we were going to talk about. But let's go. I'll handle this cannonball that you're going to throw at me. Let's go. I'm curious to see what show you're on. We'll have to take this off because I don't want to like throw somebody else's show out there. But um, I was on a show something similar happened. It was a really out there like. Like you couldn't even see how far out there it was. It was like on another planet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that kind of stuff. That's where I think live would go. And yeah. uh, just embracing that and saying, hey, let's just do life. Let's be together. Let's build a community. I'd love to do that with you. That'd be great. We'll have to plan that. So, all right. Now I swear we'll stop talking. People that are, they probably already clicked off. <laughs> Listen, they're like, we're done. <laughs> That's all right. So, all right. All the information, be able to get a hold of Tim will be in the show notes. And until next time. I stay on page six, I'm even...